Church, how are you feeling? All right. Yes. Okay. So I, I got a question for you. Are you ready for God's word? Some of us are. Let, let me, let me see this side seemed like they were ready. Are you ready for God's word? Are you ready for God's word? All right. Yes. And you might ask, why is it important for you to get us like ready for God's word? Cause I don't want you leaning back you know, I'm talking about learning wise and missing half the message. I want you from the very beginning to engage and say, yeah, I want to, I want to receive something here today. We're going to, we're going to cover a lot of passages. So I'm going to get right into it. But we've been talking about the best is yet to come. Come on. How many of us believe that the best is, is yet to come? Do you believe the best is yet to come? I believe the best is yet to come. It's important to have that sense of faith, that sense of belief that God, you have good things for me. You have good things. Things are going to get better. And especially after 2020, the, the, the year that shall remain unnamed, right? After that year, I mean, I, I know it's going to get better. I know God has something good. You say, well, pastor, it may not get better the way we think it's going to get better. And that's why I talked about that we're getting closer and closer to Jesus' return. And so I started this message off, not about it's going to get better here on earth. I don't know what the, what's going to happen here on this earth. I know one thing is that it's going to get more and more challenging as we get closer and closer to Jesus' return. But for me, the whole point is to go home. The whole point is to go home and to be with my king. And I pray that's what your your hope is. And so, Lord, as long as you have me here, I know that you have a blessing and we're going to fight for that blessing because we've talked about also, if you want to experience God's best as a Christian, you're going to have to fight. And it's interesting because some, some people say that, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they analogize life. If they say life is a movie, then you kind of get an idea of it. Life is a, a sporting event. Life is a, I don't care about none of that. I just go straight to God's word and God says it's a fight. That's what he says in, in, in Ephesians chapter six. He says, you're in a spiritual fight. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, if I'm in a spiritual fight, then I need to learn some things about this fight. Because whether I want it or not, it's happening. He says, he says something very, very, very uh, pointed. And I'm not going to cover everything because we already preached on that. But he said, when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes. So God is telling us right from the beginning, it's coming. You're going to experience the enemy come against you. And some of us can say, even now as we sit here, Pastor, I've experienced the enemy. I can feel like there's a force against my family. Like things just aren't smooth. And so sometimes it's because you're doing the right thing, but then sometimes it's because you're doing the wrong thing. There's a big difference. Because when you're doing the right thing, it's filled with joy. When you're doing the wrong thing, You have conviction and then the enemy piles on shame and regret and all kinds of other things. Notice I said the enemy piles on shame and regret and and condemnation. But the Holy Spirit will prompt you and say, I have better for you. I have better for you. You can't live a better life. It's It's available. The son paid for it. Who's the son? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So I want you to, I want you to stay with me on this because we are spiritual beings. Living for a microsecond in a physical existence. You know, and I think sometimes we flip that around 
and we say we're physical beings and we encounter glimpses of the spiritual. But that's not true because spiritually we're going to live through eternity. And if you take that and you divide that into the number of years that we actually exist physically, you know, in this, in this physical world, then we're going to exist in the spiritual, supernatural presence of God a whole lot longer than we're doing here. And so maybe we should flip our mindset and have a paradigm shift, so to speak, and say, oh, we're actually spiritual beings existing and, and catching a glimpse of the physical for just a microsecond. Amen? And you say, but why does the physical exist then? What's the purpose? I'm not going to pretend to be God because that's, that's ugly. It's not good. But I will tell you this, that it has something to do with faith and his love. Why? Because his word says that. All through his word, he talks about faith and love and grace. One of my favorite verses is found in the book of Hebrews. For by grace, for by grace, you have been what? I have been saved. Grace, God's love. For by grace, you have been saved. Through what? Faith. So I want, to, I, want to just, I want to just present this to you for a second. What if this whole existence has to do with really experiencing God's love? You say, but why couldn't we just experience it in heaven and be done? Like he just overwhelmed us with his love and, and just no choices, no nothing, it's just done. Well, because I tried that with my wife and it didn't work. How many of you know that you can't just overwhelm someone and say, you're going to love me whether you like it or not? Right? I mean, love is a risk. Love is a risk and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you walk across the dance floor and you get rejected, right? Sometimes you say, will you be my girlfriend? And you get rejected. Sometimes you have to ask more than once and you gotta be persistent and you gotta keep loving and keep showing yourself. And then finally you get to be her husband, amen? And you get to, and so, let me put it to you from Jesus' perspective. Jesus wanted you to have a choice and an opportunity because ultimately that's what love is. You're not a computer program. He wants a relationship. And so he comes to this earth and he risks rejection on a cross as he hangs there and he says, I love you this much, would you love me back? I love you this much, vulnerable. I'm not going to lord it over you. I'm not going to overwhelm you by making you love me. I'm going to ask you politely and I'm going to show you how much I love you. And so we have that choice and think about it. The way we exercise that choice is through faith. It's no wonder some of the greatest theologians have made this point that there are many things that heaven is going to have. Crystal seas, pearly gates, streets of gold. Many things that heaven will have, but the one thing it will not have is the the opportunity for a saint to respond to their king in faith. That's for this world and this world alone. To respond in faith. To say, yes, Lord, I trust you. So watch, Paul says, in, Paul says describing this thing called love, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, we see but through a dim reflection. You know, we don't get it all figured out. Someday we're going to see face to face. That's heaven. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to know. He's going to know. I mean, we're going to know what he knows. But right now we see glimpses and it's our opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I know enough to step out. Come on. That's scary. I get it. I get it. But that's the Christian walk. Amen. 
That's the Christian walk. Can someone get excited? Because I feel like preaching. I do. If you would just help me a little bit, I might get there. You do realize that the more you help, the faster we go. Because it's like, amen, oh, they got it. Let's move on. Nothing, crickets, I got to pour on some more. I keep layering it, you know. Okay, so stay with me on this. We're talking about this spiritual fight. We're talking about this spiritual walk. And this spiritual walk involves obedience and disobedience. That's what we talked about last week. We also talked about blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. And if you don't like the, the, the word curse, hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. Don't get too, too carried away with the word, ooh, curse just makes me cringe. Maybe you can think of it as a consequence. It's a consequence, a negative consequence. Now, we, we, we built all of this teaching off the book of Deuteronomy, not solely off the book of Deuteronomy. We spent a lot of time in the book of Galatians. And, uh, but in Deuteronomy, you have Moses giving a second law. And you say, what do you mean a second law? Actually, the, word, the, the book Deuteronomy, the name in Hebrew means second law or a second version. And so it's not a second law the way we would think of a second law, but it's actually Moses saying, hey guys, I'm going to just give you a speech. And it's Moses talking and he's exhorting the people and he's saying, I've already given you the law in Exodus and Leviticus. And now we're just going to go through it again. And I'm going to highlight some points that are really important to God and some things that I think would benefit you. And I'm just going to expound on them and I'm going to relate them to your life. And I'm going to see if we can unpack some of this in a very personal way. Okay. And so that's what he does for, for them. Do you realize that that same objective is for us too, as Christians today? And I think sometimes Christians are too quick to dismiss the law and say, but I'm not under the law. So I just want to, I just want to share this with you. While we may not be under the letter of the law, we're under the spirit of the law. We're under the heart of the law. God's heart does not change. So while you may not need to wash your hands a certain way and do this and do that and, and exclude yourself from fellowship when you come in contact with this or that, but you still have to understand that you can't have other gods before him. That idolatry is wrong. Amen? Amen. And that stealing and murder and lying and cheating and all of these things are wrong because it's an assault to God's character and you're called to represent his character. As a matter of fact, that's what he got, that's the promise he gave to Abraham. And we live in that promise. We live in the same promise as Abraham. That's what the book of Galatians says. We'll see it in a second. We'll see it in a second. So in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is highlighting some things for the people because this is what he's saying. He's saying, guys, I have been with you for 40 years. I'm about to die. But in the 40 years, I've come to know some things about you and you are prone to forget and you tend to take God for granted. And so I just really want to highlight some things. Come on, is there anyone here that would say, dude, he's talking to me. I'm prone to forget and I tend to take God for granted. So listen up. And this is how he summarizes the whole book. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. You know, it's interesting because when the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus with a religious question, and they did this often, but they asked him, which is the greatest commandment? He pointed to this one. You know what I find interesting is Jesus is literally saying, don't be so quick to dismiss the law. Don't ever dismiss the spirit of the law. 
And that is to love God. But I want to highlight something for you. The word here. The word here is better translated listen. Come on, how many of you have kids and you speak to them and they hear you but they don't listen to you? Right? Is anyone in the room that says, did you hear me? And they go, oh yeah, you said clean the room. But why didn't you clean it? Right? I said take out the trash. Did you hear me? Yes, I heard you, but I Okay, some of you are saying, why, why are you picking on the kids? No, listen, we are God's kids. And we are the same way. We hear God, but we don't always listen to God. So the Hebrew word has the connotation or the meaning of listen in action. Listen in action. What does that mean? Well, let me put it to you this way. You'll find two key key themes in this verse. You'll find listen and love. And what joins them together is obey. Obey. That's the action. So you hear God, you obey, you love God. And because you love God, you listen and obey and you love God. It's, it builds on itself. It creates its own centrifugal force. Isn't that beautiful? This is what Jesus was saying. When you get this, and this is what Moses was saying. He's saying when you get this, things tend to connect for you. And so it all, it's all about obedience versus disobedience. It, it is to some degree. And you say, I don't know if that's New Testament. Read First John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He says, if you say you love God, but you don't obey his commands, you're lying to yourself. And as an infamous theologian once said, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> you go, who's that? Francis Schaefer? Calvin? I think some of you know that was Ice Cube. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. But do you realize that that's the same advice that John gives? Check your heart. See if you really love him. Anyone can say they love God. But does your, does your listening show it? Does it show an obedience? Paul says the same thing. And so Deuteronomy says, hey, if you listen, if you obey, you have fruitfulness. You have victorious living. You have prosperity. You have holy, a holy testimony. Guys, why is holy testimony in there? Because that is the most important thing to God. You represent him. We are his ambassadors. And when we represent him in a wrong way, it's an assault to his character. Do you realize that his name is holy? They say the Bible makes a big deal of God's name. I never understood that until I understood there's something in a man's name, something in a woman's name, something in a family's name. It used to mean something in our country. Now, like, eh, whatever. But remember, people used to say, I give you my word it meant something and that's what God says when my children bear my name they should represent me well that's what he says and so a holy testimony and then preeminence then you have the curse side and curses again are consequences you have sickness and fertility destruction scarcity and poverty defeat ridicule fear and despair I mean it goes on and on debt Broken families, overwhelmed, affliction. Notice the one right in the middle, emotional. 
emotional despair or being desperate. There's all kinds of emotional issues. And this comes from idolatry, the occult, dishonoring father and mother, evil against your neighbor, injustice. This is all outlined right there in Deuteronomy. You don't have to take pictures or write it all down. You can just download the notes on the app and just, you can go through there and just see if my outline matches up with God's word. It's there. Sexual immorality produces a curse on us. And you might say, pastor, but I don't believe Christians can live under a curse. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen someone that's saved but still addicted? I have. You ever seen someone who is saved but living out there in the world and destroying their family? You say, well, I don't know if they're saved. Well, then it might be semantical. You might say they're not saved and I may say they're saved. Or, you know, but at the end, only judge, God can judge the heart. Right? Only God can judge the heart. So what I'm saying to you is this. It's important to obey and it is possible to leave God's protection when God has said, I have all this for you to leave God's protection and, and encounter some very real consequences. Very real consequences that affect our children, that affect our marriage, that affect all sorts of things. Now, I do believe with all my heart that God sets us free from those things. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, listen to me very closely and read it with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a pole. And so as he hung on the cross, he took our shame, our guilt, our curse upon him. Therefore, there's no reason for you to live under it. There's no reason. He says he redeemed us. In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, there's that word faith again, by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Isn't this cool? That by faith we get to be sons and daughters of Abraham. We get to be sons and daughters of Abraham. You know, it's interesting because a few years ago I went to, I, I went to Israel, but now, before that, I went to New York and we went to see Brooklyn Tabernacle and their prayer ministry. And while we were there, we wanted to eat some of the cool food. And so we asked some, some local cops. You ask a police officer where the good food is. They know. They know. So I asked one of the officers, officer, man, it was cool because there was both of them. They came up and you should have seen them light up. They're like, no, you got to go try here. You got to go try there. And finally, they agreed on two places. A deli. And an Italian place. And so we went to the deli and we walk in and it's got all these awards up on the wall. Like it's, it's, it's there. And we walk in and all of a sudden the lady goes, ah, oh, come on in, come on in. In this New York accent, she goes, ah, oh, good looking Jewish couple. <laughs> she goes, you're my good looking Jewish boy, oh, come here. She goes like this to me. She goes, come over here. I'm going to sit you down right here. And I sit down. I said, ma'am, I'm not Jewish. Oh, you're Jewish. You just don't know you're Jewish. You're Jewish. You just don't know you're Jewish. And she says, how about I bring you, what did she say? A kanish. Every Jewish boy needs a kanish. I said, bring me a kanish. She came and put pickles on the table. So I said, is that a kanish? She goes, no, silly. Those are pickles. Jewish boy grow up not knowing what a knish is. I said, I'm not Jewish. She said, you're Jewish. I can tell a Jewish boy and you're a Jewish boy. Can I tell you? You're Jewish. Because you are part of Abraham's seed. 
You are part of Abraham's line. You are grafted into the family. And when God grafts somebody in, he grafts them in. And so I took that blessing from there on. I'm Jewish in the name of Jesus. I have the blessing of Abraham upon my life. Amen. You have the blessing of Abraham upon your life. It's a beautiful thing. You were blessed and not cursed. So, so Paul makes a big deal. Why would you ever go back under the curse? Now, some people, they, they define that so narrowly. They say, he says you, you're cursed when you go back to the letter of the law. But these are Gentiles. What do they know about the letter of the law? He doesn't just mean when you go back to the letter of the law. He means when you go back to former ways as well. Because when you live under the law, it's going to highlight your former life and all of your sin struggles. Why would you ever go back to your sin struggles? Why would you ever go back to the curses? Why would you ever do that when God has given you all of this before the cross to live for victory and fruitfulness and beauty? So I need you to stay with me on this. Jesus says the same thing. Don't go back. Go forward. Keep building this faith walk. He, he heals a man and when Jesus finds him again, he says this to him in John 5, 13. Is it up here? He says, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He says, sin is dangerous. It has dangerous consequences. He had just encountered this, the risen king. This is important. In Genesis, in Genesis, he reminds us of how blessed we truly are. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. That's you and me. We're blessed because of Abraham. And we are part of that great blessing that God pronounced. But I want to warn you about some things that God deliberately tells us to stay away from. And he says, this this is an assault to my character and I've called you to more. I've called you to better. And one of them is found in Proverbs. There's going to be about two or there's going to be about three or four. The first one is in Proverbs and he says, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his home, from his house. Come on, is God serious about us being of good character? Absolutely he is. And there are, there are tremendous consequences. And so if you have treated someone who was good, bad, you have to confess that and ask God to wash it by his blood. And more importantly, if that's the way you practice you've got to stop that because because you are putting yourself under the negative consequences of this curse i don't know if i like then don't use the word curse use another word but i'm just reading to you god's word here in jeremiah 17 verses 5 and 6 the bible says this thus says the lord cursed is the man who trusts in man. That means cursed is the person who trusts in themselves, trusts in their own strength, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. He won't see any good things, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Okay, so let's just break this down for a second. God is specifically saying, he's saying, listen, if you trust in you and you trust in human power instead of me, who, who is, how would you describe someone that trusts in themselves? I got a good word, pride. 
pride. Do you realize that God even hates a proud look? He doesn't just hate the proud attitude. Like the proud attitude is off the charts. He even hates a proud look. The Bible says in one of the Proverbs, I hate the proud look. Don't even come into my presence with that look. I can remember when I was a kid, everybody was into their, their, their strut. Nowadays, they call it a swag. You know, what's your, show me your swag, this and that. But the swag involves everything. Back then, we'd break it down even just a strut. Everybody had different struts, right? See how you got to walk into that one? You start like this, like this, and then you. Or how about. My friend said I was halfway between John Travolta and Denzel. I don't know. I don't know. But all that nonsense, God can't stand it in his house. You say, yeah, but I'm under, I'm under grace. The blood of Jesus covers my pride. Excuse me? No, your brother, the blood of Jesus should wash that junk away. Should wash it away. Should wash it away. This is serious to him. And he says, there will be consequences for you trying to work it out. And you go, well, what if it's, I don't have the proud look and I don't have that. But what if you rely on you and you put all the emphasis on you? I can figure this out. I'll work it out. I won't be broken. I won't. And what if God is saying, no, the whole point is for you to be broken. Blessed are those who are broken hearted. But in your pride, you keep holding and holding and holding. And God is saying, how long do you have? Because I've got eternity. God can outlast us. I think the best place to be is to say, Lord, I don't want to fight with you. God, I'm broken. God, will you work in me and through me? You say, give it up. But I feel shameful of giving up. I feel shame like maybe I've lost something. That's the enemy twisting it in you. Because when you give it up, you're saying, Lord, I must decrease that you must increase. It's not me, Lord. It's you, Lord. Who am I? Who am, come on now, who am I that you should be mindful of me, that you should love me and care for me, but yet you do, Lord. So God, I'm going to, I'm going to humble myself. And so God has plenty of blessings, but we got to be familiar with these. Now watch this. In the book of Zechariah, he highlights two things in the form of a vision of a scroll. And on one side of the scroll, he says, I I'm against those who steal. And on the other side of the scroll, he says, I'm against those who bear false witness. So if you lie and you steal, God is serious about this. Christians, why is he serious about this? Because we bear his name. And there has to be a difference between us and the world that claims Christ on a superficial level, but is not true. Do you realize that 90% of Americans claim to be Christians? You tell me how that sounds. If 90% of Americans were Christian, really born again, heartfelt Christians, our nation would look different. Our nation would look different. And this is why God is saying there has to be a difference. You got to stand for something. And what I want you to stand for is that which my heart is about. I'm about honesty and I'm about what? Transparency and forthrightness. And so don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't 
compromise. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Come on, stay with me. How about Malachi 3.10? Uh-oh. Malachi 3.10 says, you are under a curse because you have stolen from me. You say, Pastor, now I'm feeling beat up. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm encouraging you. Because on the flip side of that, God will bless your socks off. I'm a living testimony of that. I don't deserve half of what I, I don't deserve any of what I have. Yet God just keeps blessing my family and keeps blessing my life and just keeps taking care of my shortcomings. Why? Because he is good to his word. And he says, if you rob from me, you will be under a curse. But if you bring to me, now I want you to highlight some of these verses. I'm, 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 I know I'm not covering every verse because I've got a long way to cover, but I'm giving you the information right here. Go read it for yourself. He says, bring to me the tithe that it may be what? Meet in my house, that the storehouse may be filled. Now I want to highlight a couple of things. He says, bring versus give. Give implies it's yours. Bring, it's his. Very, very different. It's his. Bring what belongs to me into the house of God, that there may be what? Substance for, that we might be able to do what needs to be done. And then, and then watch this. And if you do this, I will bless you. If you don't, then there's a curse. And you might be thinking, but pastor, I don't live under, that's the thing. There you go again. You keep conflating the issue between the old and the new. Okay, let's go, let's go new. New says you're under grace, bring it all. I think I'll go old, but we'll stay with 10%. See, if you can't do 10, you can't do, you can't do all. You say, no, no, but that's not the way I read grace. I, I would imagine. Because a lot of people in the church today say grace is down here and the law was up here. And so grace actually lowers the bar. Grace never lowers the bar. You really read grace. It says, give it all. Die to yourself. Live holy as God is holy. Say, say, you say, so it's harder. Yes. That's why you need to be completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And it's by his power, not ours. It's by his power, not ours. See, grace is a holy exchange. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. He says, in our discipleship in Western culture, we have cheapened grace and it's time we stop. It's time we start to realize that grace is expensive, but it is able to do immeasurably more than whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. Now stay with me on this. I'm quoting out of Ephesians 3.20. Do you realize that in Ephesians, Paul specifically says, I am the apostle given the what? The revelation of grace that you might live this beautiful, unbelievable life. And that's why he says, now to him who is able to do, when you get a glimpse of what his grace is about, it, how wide how, how, how wide, how long, how high, how deep. It will radically change your life. And you won't be saying, well, what can I get away with? You'll be saying, Lord, how much more can I honor you? See, grace isn't a reason, an excuse to live lower. It's a reason to live higher. It's a reason to live higher. It's a beautiful thing, this thing called grace. And so bring your tithe. Live in a way that God would have you live. You say, but, but how do I do that? You put a lot of things out there, pastor. How do I do that? It's found in Galatians. Yeah. 
Go back to Galatians with me. Look at all the highlighting I did. Watch, there's a central theme. Believing what you heard. So Abraham believed God and it was credited. His account is credited. Now watch this. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. So we've been talking about. You pass from death to life by believing God. But I don't see exactly how all that fits or what. You don't have to believe it. Walk it out. Don't let you be your worst enemy. You know, for so long, I was always making excuses rather than saying, Lord, your word said it. I'm doing it. Character is important to you. Watch this. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You say, okay, pastor, then tell me what faith is. What is faith? Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you take God as his word and you say, Lord, I know you want to bless my socks off. I know you've provided all things under the sun for me to enjoy. I know that you have called me the head, not the tail. I know that you say that in within me lies the Holy Spirit and greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. So I can defeat this enemy. I can walk in faithfulness. I can do what you've called me to do. Then guess what happens? You, you step from darkness into light. That moment that you give yourself completely to God, that's called the day of salvation, the day of salvation, you take your first step of real faith and you begin to build. And then you start to see that everything has become different. The evidence becomes clear. The substance, your life has weight to it now. Why? Because God gives it meaning and God gives it weight. And now that you have substance, you also have evidence. What's the evidence? The evidence is that things begun to change and you can always talk to a new Christian. They'll tell you things are different. I don't know exactly what it is, but I don't feel the same. I don't talk the same. I don't act the same. I don't hang out with the same people. Things are starting to change. That's called the faith walk. That's called walking in the spirit. That's called really having a consequence to obeying and loving God. And you're creating that centrifugal force we talked about. And you can begin to sing. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see the promises in fulfillment all over my life. All over my life. Come on now. I see the evidence of your goodness. All over my life. I used to be addicted, but God, you set me free. God, I used to have these crazy mindsets. I used to always be suspicious of people. And I used to always think I need to do unto them before they do unto me. But you change that, God. Why? Because I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see the promises and fulfillment. What kind of fulfillment? That you have restored my marriage and you are restoring it today. You are bringing my children back. You are doing what only you can do. And all I have to do is trust you in it and keep walking. Now the enemy will try everything he can to interrupt your faith walk. 
to interrupt that. Why? Because it builds on itself. And if if you did it last week, you can do it this week. And now I've got two weeks to build on three weeks and four weeks. And I can look over the evidence of my life. And I am convinced. No, I am persuaded, more than persuaded. I am sure that he who began the good work. Do you see what Paul is talking about? Paul is talking about faith. He's saying, he who began the good work in me is faithful to complete it. He's going to complete it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. The old is past. The new has come. The new has come. And I ain't going back. I ain't going back. I love you, church. It's your fault. You got me so excited. I started preaching. Didn't get through my last verses. But we're going to talk about the power of blessing next week. Specifically the power of a father and a mother's blessing. By the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is what I want to share with you as we end. Would you take your communion supply? If anyone needs one, would you just raise your hand discreetly and we'll get them to you. You might be here today and you might not be feeling like you're living under the blessing. And so this message may not have been encouraging to you. But I'm going to ask you to by faith trust the Lord. And you might even be here saying, I don't know if I like this guy. It doesn't matter what you think of me. Concentrate on the words that were on that screen. Do you want God's blessing? It's available. And the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will not be put to shame. By faith, you will be saved. And so before we go any further... If you want to experience this beautiful, beautiful gift of of life that we've been talking about, and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray together before we take communion. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hand in the back, brother. I see your hands over here in the back. I see your hand. I see your hand over here, sister. I see your hand. I see your hand right here. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. He is good. I see your hand. So this is what we'll say. We're going to pray together the prayer of salvation. And it's based on God's word. You can say, Lord, Father God, I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. I confess it with my mouth and believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, Lord Jesus, you are the son of God. You died and rose again. And I ask you to take full control of my life. Holy Spirit, I release myself to you. Fill me and seal me and guide me through eternity. 
Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I need to let go of some stuff that's been holding over my life. I need to step into the light. And the Bible says that by faith, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for breaking any curse and taking it upon yourself. And in Jesus' name, I proclaim freedom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I know that the shedding of your blood provided for the forgiveness of my sins. So God, I repent of my sin. I turn from my way and I step in faith to honor you with my life. Lord, shame and condemnation are broken in Jesus' name. I love you, church. Have a great, great week. Yeah. Uh-huh.